Hey guys, welcome to the Justify Your Existence podcast feed from the Daily Journal Podcast Network. You might have heard that JYE is undergoing a bit of a platform change, and that's true. Going forward, this feed will feature a discussion about the SEC from Parrish Alford and Dalton Middleton, as well as the great Ole Miss content that Parrish has been bringing you right here in this feed. And soon, Dalton will have exclusive Mississippi State features for you to listen and interact with as well. So hit subscribe. Give us a rating and leave us a review to tell us what you like about the show. And feel free to reach out with any questions or feedback through our email, digital at journalink.com. Call us, 662-842-2611, or direct message us on any of our social media feeds. Thank you from the Daily Journal. Now enjoy this episode of JYE. Hello, Mississippi and abroad, and welcome to Justify Your Existence, a daily journal production. I am Parrish Alford, the Ole Miss beat writer for the Northeast Mississippi Daily Journal, and I'm joined by Dalton Middleton, our Mississippi State beat writer. We're going to talk a little Ole Miss, a little MSU, and we're going to have Dave Neal on, SEC Network, play-by-play. We'll visit with Dave a little bit. We'll talk some football and SEC uh, with Dave Neal coming in. Coming up in just a second, we'll, we expect to see him uh, click into the Zoom uh, anytime. Dalton, how are you, man? Man, I'm all right. I'm all right. A little, I'm enjoying a, enjoying a weekend and a, a few days past the weekend over in Tuscaloosa, so I'm, I'm doing all right. A few days. Uh, you spent a few days in Tuscaloosa, did you? Yeah, I'm going to head back today because I got a okay. LSU plays at state tomorrow in men's basketball, so I got to head back for that one today. So LSU is at state on on Wednesday, uh, Ole Miss is at home against Missouri, so a uh, couple of challenges. Uh, wh- what do you think about uh, State's win over South Carolina? Ole Miss had a nice win, had a good week last week, upset number uh, 11 Tennessee, then one at overtime in Auburn. Uh, do you think these teams can sustain this success? I think Ole Miss is more built to sustain this success. Um, if they can start shooting a little better, I'm not. I don't know what, what they shot the last two games, but you know they looked good when they played at State a few weeks ago. Um, I think State is just really young, doesn't have enough pieces, enough great pieces yet. So, well, I'll tell you what, it's going to be interesting because Ole Miss had that run where they won two, had two nice wins. State and Texas A&M came back and just had a really bad week on the road. Uh, Dave Neal, our guest, might have seen some of that bad basketball from the Rebels. Uh, we'll see if they can sustain success. Dave, how are you, man? I'm great. How you guys doing? Hey, doing good. Did you see some of that bad basketball, man? Uh, Kermit's team has been up here and then here and then up again. Uh, well, what have you seen from them? Well, I have got a, a pretty good, uh, I, I guess, uh, look at both Mississippi State and Ole Miss, the good and the bad. But I have seen Ole Miss uh, probably five times this year. And yeah, it's uh, been a struggle. You know, I had them early in the early in the SEC season, and they were coming off a good non-conference, you know, slate. The the small sample size we had, obviously, but they, um, you know, they were playing well and expected great things. Defensive numbers were outstanding, and then just kind of just dissipated. It's it's baffling to because you know the guys can play. Um, and it was good to see Romello White the other night go crazy. But, yeah, there's a lot of questions about, like, what has happened because there's there, there are players that have good track records. Those transfers have played well. Yeah. Well, Dave, uh, I know that uh, basketball, yeah, there's some interest in it. But Jesus said football you have with you always. And so we want to talk some, uh, talk some football with you uh, as well. When Ole Miss and Mississippi State hired 
Lane Kiffin and Mike Leach, a lot of national attention. A lot of people said, look, look what's going on in Mississippi uh, with these coaches at their two SEC schools now. Uh, what did you think when uh, when those guys were hired, uh, came into the SEC? Of course, Lane Kiffin had been around. Um, and how did that compare to what you saw? What did you think when they were hired, and, and what did you see? All right, well, two questions. First question, ecstatic when they were hired. Um, as somebody who's in this league is always looking for fun, excitement, right? Um, you know, I don't like things to get stale. Uh, and having those two in this conference certainly uh, provided the spark, right? I mean, it's, yeah. it's unfortunate that we had to go through and, and still dealing with what we're dealing with because I don't think that we really got to enjoy what those two can, can, can really present to its fullest. Um, but I, I do think it was great for the league. I think it was uh, – uh, outstanding for, you know, recruiting purposes, especially the state of Mississippi. Maybe these kids actually, when we just, you know, wrapped up uh, the second signing day, I think it was pretty obvious kids in the state, you know, want, want to be at one of those schools. Um, so I think from that standpoint, it was great. The product on the field, I think Ole Miss got better and better. Um, even though the first game was an offensive, you know, display, I think we saw what, what the potential could be and can be as the season unfolded. It wasn't a one-time thing. Whereas with Mississippi State, I felt like it was a one-time thing with the personnel they had, the way they started. Um, but there were moments, you know, I had Mississippi State-Georgia game, right? They hung in there, played a great game, and, um, you know, nearly pulled off a, a huge upset. And I, I just think it's great. Um, I think these guys like them or hate them, however you want to do it. I think that these guys are good for the league. I think it, they're good for college football in terms of bringing some, some notoriety to these games that maybe otherwise might not be so – popular among the fan base, you know, so um, in games that I get, some of the games I get, I don't get those top tier ones now, you know, I get those middle of the road ones to the bottom tier. So it helps me. You know what, uh, just the personalities and you hit on this a little bit, uh, college football coaches now that they, they sometimes they can be stale, they can be businesslike and, and very matter of fact. And, and uh, there are some things about covering Lane Kiffin that I, that I wish was different. Uh, were different. Like uh, I, I would like to hear from the assistant coaches, uh, and we don't do that. But it's kind of neat, uh, you know. You don't get stock answers. You, you don't get stock answers, Dalton. What's I think that's been your experience as well, right? Well, we got uh, assistant coaches all year, but uh, we got about the same three players all season <laughs> long. You know, Austin Williams was our uh, our number one quote, go to quote here every single game, every single practice. Uh, but yeah, no, it hasn't. It's been entertaining for sure. Um, Dave, I did have a question for you though. Um, when you talked about being ecstatic, these guys get hired and like that. But um, from you that kind of sees everybody, what do you kind of feel like the ceiling is for uh, Mike Leach and Lane Kiffin at these schools? Maybe. Well, you know, it's hard. To, it's it's hard to say. I I would say that from my just from my point of view that I think it's going to be a little bit harder for Mike Leach to get get to the same level that a Lane Kiffin could possibly get to. And I say that because. I don't know if there are enough of what he needs to go around to be competitive, the elite of the elite. Remember, you're talking about to be really good in this league, you have to have those four or five star kids on a regular basis cycle through your program. And you don't need one or two. You need three or four of those to compete in this league. Um, and I don't know that there is enough of that in his system. I mean, he's got to have six, seven receivers that can flat out play, um, you know, and I, I love watching it when it's clicking, right? But when it's not clicking, that thing can be painful. 
Uh, I think there are some options with Lane Kiffin offensively that he can do some other things outside of, of, you know, the, the, the blueprint of his offense. He's, he's got some other things he can go to. So I think the ceiling for, for Lane Kiffin, at least early on for me is a little bit higher than Mississippi state. And, um, but I tell you, you know, it's hard to really judge what happened last year, right. For these, for both of them, really, I'm just hard to coach and manage a team with everything that's going on. So um, I think it was a decent start for Lane Kiffin. I I think Mike Leach would probably say that his word, maybe you asked him, uh, I haven't seen him since late in the year, but I mean, frustrated, you know, I don't think he accomplished nearly what he wanted to accomplish on the field. And I think that he couldn't do what he wanted to do with the personnel. It got better. He found some things, right? I mean, some things started working, found some young guys that could really help him down the road. So uh, early on, I would say Lane Kiffin has that advantage to maybe hit, a, hit, hit an extra step on that ladder. Well, talking about coaches in Mississippi, Dave, and this gets out of the uh, SEC a little bit, but uh, I believe you're a Florida State guy, right? Yes, sir. You attended Florida State. Okay, so – so you, you you might keep up oh. with Dion a little bit. Oh man, we got some gear. We're gonna get get some memorabilia. Look at that! Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. there you go. What? Gotta uh, represent. Yeah, tell me about uh, Dion uh, coaching at Jackson State. Uh, is that gonna work? <laughs> uh, I tell you, it's working right now. Right. Uh, the the popularity that the kids he's recruiting are another level that Jackson State hadn't seen in years. Right. I mean. Um, you, you got to go back to, you know, uh, the HBCU era with, you know, FAMU was so great. And, you know, a lot of those uh, historically black colleges got, got those black athletes there. And once that started to dissipate in the 60s and 70s, they've been playing catch up. But I think maybe he's getting some of those other guys, right, that would be going to high places in uh, major colleges. So, you know, I think from a starting point, yeah, um, you just worry about the, you just worry about everything that goes on at college football with Dion, right? There's a lot that you got to be aware of. Yeah, I don't know. It's hard to say, Parrish. I mean, man, I, I hope it works. I do. I really hope it works because he would be great for that place. Well, and he would for for Jackson certainly, and and, and for the swack overall. And you talk about just the connections that he has, and and you hit on recruiting. And I'm looking at these. 247 sports recruiting rankings and Jackson State's up there like 86. I mean, they're ahead of a bunch of like a bunch of conference USAs and and, and, and teams like that. I mean, Southern Miss is down in the 100s. Jackson State has three four star kids that they signed. Three, you know who else signed three? Arkansas. <laughs> you know, I, I, I mean, I it's, it's, it's crazy. Go ahead, Dalton. I thought I saw where he would actually have been in the in the closer to the top thirty in the in college football if his signing class uh, if they would actually counted it towards you know FB, FBS and FCS together. That's it's crazy how what he's done and um, and good for these kids, right? I mean, especially in this day and age, to 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 maybe bring some attention to those universities, and it's not just a Jackson State thing. Like he is, as you said, the SWAC, the MEAC, all these schools that have been fighting an uphill battle just for a little slice of the pie, maybe this is a way to help them get a little bit of whatever is needed to get that ball rolling and maybe get some kids there, get some, some resources diverted to these schools and these pro athletic programs, not just football, but other things. So in the big picture, uh, just the attention, the national attention he's garnering is you, you can't buy it. You, you cannot buy it. So good on him. And I just hope it works. I love Dion, man. I'll tell you a quick story. When I was, I was uh, working, in, he, we, we were at school at the same time at Florida State. 
and I was wrapping up uh, my sixth or seventh year of my bachelor degree down there. I forget. I, I got, I was down there so long. Uh, I was working on a school show that covered the football team for the university and, and Dion, he, you know, we're not best friends by any stretch of the imagination, but I was around enough to where he knows me. You know how that stuff works. And I said, Dion, I got to talk to you after this game. I got to do this, do this thing with you after the game. He goes, if you can catch me, I'll do the interview. Well, if that son of a gun after that game saw me and didn't sprint out the other door, knowing full well that he said, if I could catch him, yeah, I'd get the interview. Never saw him again. Now, the next week, he finally did the interview with me. But he was funny. He had a top hat on and, like, the suit stuff. He says, Dion was a different deal now that back in the day. I don't know if you guys remember his whole thing. He was driving – he was playing baseball for the Yankees, so he had some cash in yeah. his pocket. Uh, I'm assuming it was legitimate Yankees cash and not from some of the Seminole boosters. I'm just going to assume that, right? I'm going to go that way. Yeah, think the best. Think the best. Right. But he's driving around a convertible car, had prime time on it, you know, had all the jewelry while he was in college. Man, he was a show in itself. I love it. It was awesome to be around Florida State with him down there. Yeah, I think I have a Marshall Henderson story about him sprinting for the exit when he saw me coming. I think, uh, you know, that's kind of, yeah, that, that, that's my sprint to the exit experience. Last question for you, Dave. We appreciate you coming on, by the oh, way. Nick Saban, how long does this last? How, how long does he just win and win and win? I just personally, as much as I've gotten to know him since back in the LSU days, and, and I'll say this before I ask that question, the transformation of him from a, a, a social aspect of, of just being, I don't know, I don't know what the right word would be, um, but the way he's dealt with people lately, he still has his edge, don't get me wrong, but we forget what he was like early Alabama, late LSU, even the two-year run at Miami. I mean, he was an SOB to a lot of us, right? I mean, <laughs> it, it, yeah. and that's being nice. Yeah. Um, I've had a chance to be around him in the summer the last seven, eight years and spent a few days around him. And just to watch him kind of – and I guess it comes with age, right? I mean, he. I was with him when he had his first Chick-fil-A. He and I were sitting together, just the two of us. Mm -hmm. And this is just a random thing. What do you think? Because of me, I just happened to be the guy standing there. He and I sat at this table at, at, at a little golf event in Lake Oconee, Georgia. And he had his first Chick-fil-A shake ever. Yeah. Okay. And to watch him go, oh my gosh, this might be the greatest thing I've ever had. And to talk <laughs> about the shake for 10 minutes with Coach Saban, who's always on point and it's business-like. It was like he was a little kid again, in a way. Um, and I've seen that a little bit as each season has gone on where he's more, you know, conversational with you and, and wants to know how things are going. And so I, I really think he has changed. I don't know how much longer he can handle everything that goes on and the expectations and still be the kind of guy he's trying to trending to. Cause I think at his place, you've got to be, you got to be a certain way, right? Because everybody right. wants a piece of every kid on your team. They want a piece of every bit of your program. They want a piece of you, your coaches, everything. And you kind of, kind of put a wall up, but I think that wall is coming down a little bit for him. So in that regard makes me believe that maybe, you know, I think obviously he's going to give it a go another year, but if he has some great success and I don't, others, you know, it looks like they've got the quarterback situation figured out. Um, looks like they've got some receiver help. They got the greatest recruiting class in the history of recruiting, apparently, that maybe they make another run at it, and I think that might be it. Well, it's crazy, man. How do you get to that stage of life when you're having Chick-fil-A for the first time? That, it's nuts. I'm telling you, it's crazy. Yeah. He and I are sitting at this table in this, like, little room, and they bring out these 
Chick-fil-A sponsored the event. And I'm telling you, Parrish, it was unbelievable to watch him have this chocolate. Sh- I wasn't even a chocolate shake. It was one of their new flavors. I forget what it was. And he was sitting there, you know, just like when you have that first taste of something so sweet, you're just kind of got that, like that smile you got right there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, Parrish, I'll tell you, I'm in Tuscaloosa right now with my, at my girlfriend's house and uh, the Chick-fil-A here is not that great to get in and out of. So maybe that's the reason why. <laughs> that's why he doesn't go to Chick-fil-A. Because yeah. yeah. nobody's bringing it out to him immediately. Yeah. So I know, I think I know the Chick-fil-A you're talking about. I've tried to run through there a time or two myself. So, but anyway, that's, that's my take on him. And uh, it's, it's, uh, don't get me wrong. He's still got some Nick Saban in him now. You know what I mean? There's, there's yeah. still. <clears throat> I know. Well, I'll tell you what, Dave. We're going to let you go because I know yeah. you're busy and got things going on today. But when we leave here, we're going to write stories. It says Dave Neal says Nick Saban mellows. Is that yeah? Is that do fair? That Saban mellows. And listen, hey, I want I want you guys to do me a favor. Now. I've got Auburn and Vanderbilt uh, Auburn and Vanderbilt basketball tonight. If you two could watch, you might double our audience. So I'd appreciate your commitment. <laughs> we'll do it for you, man, because you were hey. here for us. So we're Thanks, going to man. double that audience. Appreciate you guys. Always a pleasure. See you guys. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Have a good day. All right. Uh, good conversation there, uh, Dalton, with, with Dave. Uh, one of the things that, that you and I, uh, I'd like to hit on, we didn't hit, I uh, didn't hit this with Dave, wanted to talk Kentucky basketball in a little bit. Uh, before we get there, wanted to flesh out Jackson State a little bit more. The idea, man, that that uh, that recruiting has gone so well for them, not surprising really, okay, because of uh, Dion's name and the attention that he brings and everything. But when you look down, uh, I was looking at this yesterday at 247 sports team rankings uh, for recruiting and you see Jackson State with three four-star kids and um, and you see how many four stars are at so many other places now you know when they rate these recruits they give they give everybody a number okay so you know some of your three stars are high three stars and they turn out to be really good players and and that's why you see uh, so many SEC classes and, and prominent programs with all of these three-star kids. Um, so it, it's hard to get hung up on the stars. But the idea that Dion is bringing in that kind of talent, I mean, I don't think he's recruiting head-to-head with Ole Miss and State a lot. But uh, mm-hmm. that's it, it really could change things. I mean, I, I just wonder uh, if we're on the verge of seeing – something big at Jackson State in terms of wins and losses. No doubt we're seeing something big in terms of marketing. No doubt we're seeing something big in terms of the national attention that Dion, you know, the guy on the subway commercials, okay, has has brought to to their school. Do you think that uh, that the talent that he's getting, uh, all of this uh, translates to wins and losses? I mean, you're a lifelong Mississippian. Are we about to see something you haven't seen before? I think I think it's definitely possible. I'm not sure if we're going to see it this year, but I did see a couple of things on, um, you know, on, I think it was on Twitter yesterday. I think it was yesterday, the day before, where uh, there was a couple of players at Jackson State saying, you know, that they they should go undefeated this spring. You know, there, there's no reason that they shouldn't go undefeated. Um, and yeah, and you kind of mentioned the recruiting. You look at it; State only signed five four stars. Jackson wow. State signed three. You know, Jackson State almost had a good enough almost a good enough or almost better recruiting class Mississippi State in some ways when you look at it. I don't know if they count transfers um, towards the recruiting class or not because Jackson State uh, did get a few of those nice transfers from SEC schools too. So, but you got to think, you know, um, you get in all these these good recruits that, you know, Jackson State hasn't seen before and I imagine a lot of them are going to be playing as freshmen. So you sit there and it's like, yeah, they got all this talent. 
that go undefeated, but it's also you got a lot of youth, you got a lot of you know inexperience that are going to be playing. Um, so I don't know if they can go undefeated or you know have that great season right off the right off the bat. But uh, you know I think the way they're trending, they get another class like this in there again, and all of a sudden you know they might you know start dominating the swag you know and be, and being that team like you just kind of mentioned. Yeah. What What did you think of uh, Dave's comment on uh, Mike Leach's ceiling? at state in terms of recruiting and not being able to consistently find find enough of uh of the receivers and the people to go around in that offense because honestly I, i'm gonna disagree with that a little bit because I, I go back to my theory of this is the south and you can find people who can run and catch mm-hmm. and i think you can develop those guys as well uh, I think where you have to make sure you are elite all the time is quarterback, and that's harder to do. Um, mm-hmm. What What did you think of uh, of Dave's take on that? Um, I agree with it to a certain extent, but then also I'm kind of with you. It's like there's going to be talent down here. Um, and, you know, you see that already because Mike Leach, his first year here, you know, he just signed his best signing class he's ever had in his entire career. And I think that just goes to show the the talent level in the South. Um and but you know even when he doesn't have his guys in there like he didn't this year you know he ends up finding um some freshmen you know will rogers and you and Jaden Walden, a couple of guys to score enough points to win four games um and so well i don't think the ceiling's ever going to be you know 11 wins or anything sec championship for mike leach i don't know i just don't see that happening for mississippi state unless you know dak you know you know, Dak comes in and he gets cut from the Cowboys and comes and plays for state again or something, you know, who knows? But, uh, you know, I just, I don't know. I just, I think, uh, there is a ceiling there. Um, but there's always, like you said, there's always gonna be guys that can catch and throw and they can, they can run. And, um, I think the big thing for state is going to be keeping a defensive coordinator like Zach Arnett and getting those guys in there. Cause you know, at the end of the day, defense is what's going to win you a lot of games in the SEC. You know, I stand by my theory that you do have to be elite at quarterback. I don't think that's earth shattering. Uh, you have to be elite right. to win at the level, uh, at the championship level, to compete. If you're going to be a, you know, upper tier in the division, have a shot to get to Atlanta, you have to be really, really good at that position. But you go back and look at Mike Leach's teams at Texas Tech, and they won a lot of games. I don't know that you would call them elite at the quarterback position. I mean, none of those quarterbacks, aside from Patrick Mahomes, who we're seeing right now, uh, was he a leech guy? Was he? A, or, or is no, not, he was not. He, he was, was not. not. So he's he was after that. But uh, you know, who of those leech quarterbacks really stuck in the NFL? I mean, uh, Cliff Kingsbury, Graham Harrell, B.J. Simon. Yeah, Graham Harrell's probably the probably. I mean. Graham Harrell's probably his best quarterback that he's coached in college, I would think, just off numbers and how he performed. But, you know, I can't – I won't even lie to you. I can't see – I can't remember Graham Harrell in the NFL. I don't know if he did anything. Um, I, I have no idea. That was well, – And that's right. Been, and, and see, and if any of those guys had stuck, we'd know it. We'd say, well, yeah, well, he did uh, uh, this, that, and the other thing. And uh, But anyway, so uh, we'll see. Uh, I really uh, – of course, he touched on Ole Miss. He seems to think that Kiffin has a higher ceiling. Kiffin's got to uh, get his defense under control, and I really think the Ole Miss defense looks better 
next year. I think they look significantly different next year. And you, you get in trouble sometimes when you say things like they're going to be better because they can't be worse. Mm-hmm. Uh, but with all of the guys that they signed defensively, and again, you can't count on newcomers. You can't put that level of expectation on newcomers. Everybody, whether junior college or, or transfer from somewhere else or high school, there is going to be a period of acclimation, a period of adapting to new surroundings for everyone. Everyone's going to have that. All right. But when you sign 14 on one side of the ball and then you pick up a transfer like they did yesterday uh, in the linebacker from Maryland, um, somebody's going to emerge. You know, somebody's going to rise out of that number of signees and make an impact. And they've got what, four defensive linemen, interior defensive linemen, where they were so bad, you know, four or five, and and one of them being a, a top, uh, you know, a top 50, 60 player in Taiwan Malone. Maybe it's him uh, who emerges. Uh, they've got a, a lot of signees, some of those four-star signees in the secondary, okay? Maybe someone emerges there. They're going to have Otis Reese for an entire year. They had him for only three. And again, and I've, I've written this on, on Facebook, if you take Otis Reese's production in three games in terms of number of tackles, uh, pa- a pass broken up, an interception, I mean, when if you take those three games and multiply it out over a 12-game season, those are all SEC numbers. So right. he, could, he could make that kind of impact. And I think you're going to see, and I think this, what will be surprising for the Ole Miss defense next year will be who emerges, what returners emerge, what returning players really elevate their play, maybe become all-conference level guys. You know, is that someone on the defensive line interior where they were so bad? Uh, maybe uh, Sam Williams, really. Uh, maybe maybe teams aren't able to double-team him as much. Maybe mm-hmm. – uh, there's enough talent around him now that he breaks free. Uh, maybe you see his tackles for loss get up to uh, 10 to 12 in that range. Maybe he begins to put together uh, all-conference type numbers. But I think you're going to see some returning players emerge. I think Ole Miss is going to be better defensively, and there will be new players who make an impact, but it's not going to be only new players. There will be some returning players uh, who – increase their production and have a good season. And again, uh, Ole Miss defensively, they, they don't need a top 10 defense. If, if they can be mm-hmm. that, that's great. Okay. But uh, if, if they can put a top 50 defense on the field and play offense the way they did last year, uh, that's going to make a difference in the win column. I mean, as it was last year, right? You know, they, they go uh, uh, four and five in the SEC. They, they beat Indiana. They're, so they're five and five. Uh, so you're five and five and ten games. You go back and, and look at, at those one possession games where one less turnover against Arkansas and LSU, and I mean that team is suddenly seven and three. Mm-hmm. And and that's the uh, Auburn was another one where they had a chance to win. I mean it was that they really exceeded expectations, uh, at, at least for me. Well, I got a I kind of have a big quick big question picture for you. Then you know, kind of talking about ceilings, um, and we asked we asked Dave about it, and you know, he said Lane Kemp's is pretty high, um, <clears throat> and I would agree with that. 
But do you think that this Lane Kiffin ceiling being high can kind of be compared to uh, where Dan Mullen was? You know, you get get to a certain point and, um, you know, every single year, the, the more success they had, you know, Kiffin's name's already out there for every coaching job. Uh, and it's like Dan Mullen's was too, once he started finding some success. Do you think that, uh, I guess, Lane Kiffin uh, eventually kind of uses Ole Miss as maybe a stepping stone to get a better job like Dan Mullen did at State? Well, I, I, you know, he could, but, but really, I mean, and I consider State in this conversation too. Dan Mullen had a history with Florida, okay? He mm-hmm. was at Florida on a national championship team. I mean, there were some great memories there. Uh, it, you know, it's not surprising that, that he would go to Florida, all right? But if you're at State and Ole Miss and you're winning and you're putting yourself in the in the cha- SEC championship picture, right? Um, you know, what jobs, what's, what's next? I and mean, where do you go to? To me, to me, the next job at the college level would have to be like a Texas, Ohio State, you know, some of those really, really, you know, mm-hmm. bigger schools, bigger following, bigger, bigger. I mean, I just think the number of jobs that I would not consider lateral, the number of jobs right. that would be a noticeable improvement if you have built Ole Miss or Mississippi State to the level that we're talking about. If you have built those programs to that level, then all of a sudden, the next job, it has to be like the biggest. I mean, it has right. to yeah, be no, I, I agree. And Ole Miss fans, don't get mad at me. Don't don't think I'm calling Ole Miss a stepping stone there. I'm, I'm not. <laughs> oh, well, you know, fans has, coming at it me. has been. It, it has been. And so, but it, that's just, that's the way I see it. I don't know that that's how Lane Kiffin sees it. To me, mm-hmm. I think the greater threat to hire Lane Kiffin uh, is probably the NFL. Uh, I right. think there's, yep. there's NFL in his background and, uh, you know, uh, there'll be a. I think he'll have that opportunity, and I think uh, the the Lane Kiffin uh, go or stay uh, conversation is something that Ole Miss will have to get used to uh, every, every year, every off season. It's what it's going to be. Uh, at the end of the day, here, um, it's going to be: can you leave the program better than you found it? Uh, you know, we talked about yep. Jeff Levy last week. Will Jeff Levy uh, become the head coach at Central Florida at UCF? Well. If he does, he's left the program better than he found it, number one. But number two, it's a little bit different with an assistant coach because I look at this as uh, Lane Kiffin hired Jeff Levy, okay? Mm-hmm. They're paying Lane Kiffin, I'm sure, close to $5 million a year right now. Maybe it is five. Uh, those numbers haven't been released, haven't been leaked. Um, you got to trust that guy. You're giving him that much money. Trust him to go out and make another hire. Right. I mean, I saw Ole Miss fans who – were really concerned about uh, uh, the defensive line coach position. And look, same thing. I mean, trust your guy to make a hire. Uh, He's going to surround himself with good people who can recruit, who resonate with uh, high school kids and transfers and and all of these things. And and it looks like Randall Joyner, who he hired away from SMU, is that kind of guy uh, Mm -hmm. to coach his defensive line. So, um as far as the head coach position, man, you know, ideally you leave it better than you found it, and maybe you just hand it off to uh, to your top assistant. Uh, maybe that's your offensive coordinator. Maybe that's still Jeff Levy when that time comes. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's somebody else. 
But uh, if you have built the program uh, to that level where people want to hire you and want to hire your assistant coaches, uh, if you could go and, and, and leave behind a guy that knows your system and knows how to run it, I mean, that's, that's about the best situation uh, that you could hope for. I agree. Folks, we thought we might get off uh, into some basketball today. Dalton, I'd like to leave that uh, Kentucky conversation for tomorrow. I would like to, uh, you know, get off uh, in the weeds on that a little bit and just see why is Kentucky bad, man? They're five and twelve. You've seen them play. Don't answer that question right now. We're going to get off uh, on that tomorrow. Uh, State and Ole Miss, both uh, very challenging uh, opponents, uh, coming up on on Wednesday. As we as we mentioned, State is at LSU. And uh, Ole Miss is at home against now number 10, Missouri. So uh, another big ranked opponent. Tennessee was the first ranked opponent Ole Miss had faced this year. And, and so Ole Miss is now a 1-0 against the top 25. While they have had some uh, some struggles uh, with basketball, this team, uh, they are 1-0 against the top 25. So maybe they can extend that streak against Missouri uh, tomorrow night at 8. Remember, Dalton, we've got to watch that uh, Auburn and Vanderbilt game tonight uh, to help out uh, help out Dave and see if we can double that audience. Folks, uh, you can find Dalton and me at djournal.com. Click on that drop-down menu on the left, find the Ole Miss page, the MSU page, and just watch the stories flow. And you can also find us on Facebook, uh, Ole Miss Discussion with Parrish Alford, Mississippi State Discussion with Dalton Middleton. That's on Facebook. Thanks for being with us, folks. Come back and join us tomorrow.